Well, here we go, Stone Creek. We okay? We doing all right? Come on. This is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. Uh, hey, uh, you 11-15ers, you missed out on baptism at 930. It was, it was an incredible moment, an incredible moment where Amanda, who uh, was mentored by a woman named Casey, Casey lives in Texas, flew out here to baptize Amanda. It was just one of the most uh, freeing moments that I've seen uh, in my own life and at this church. And I, I know you and I, like, man, we, we so desperately want to be free. Like, we want to have that, 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 that feeling that, that, I mean, even just looking at the pictures during the announcement, we're like, yeah, we want that. Or just looking at the, the, the way these students worship, like, that, that's freedom. And then you guys are going in the crowd secretly. I get a front row view, but, like, you guys are like, I, I want to worship like that. I, I want to live in, in freedom like that. And, and just, um, j- just a spoiler alert, like, we are, you are, I am, we're going to have that opportunity at the end of the service today to possibly le- uh, live out of and live in a freedom like you've never experienced before. Cool? Just, just want to let you guys know, and I guess y'all aren't excited about that. I don't know what, what else to be excited about. Yeah, we can clap for that. <laughs> Come on. Got to force the clap. Got to force the clap sometimes. Hey, if you're new, we're in the series called Living Free, and what we've done in this series, a little bit different than any other series that we've done, is that we've kind of tried to, to, to mock or, or to, to mimic the early church. And how the early church w- w- would exist is they would get a letter from Paul or a letter to their church, and the leader of the church would get up in front of the church and actually read the letter. And these people, man, they were on the edge of their seat. Like, this would be like you getting on the edge of your seat and, like, you leaning forward. You're doing one of these things. Like, you want to catch every word because Paul was writing to the church of Galatia and Galatians. And Paul was their hero. Pa- Paul was the church planner. Paul was the mentor. Paul was like the dude that was connected with them and planted with them, but also the guy who connected with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Like this guy was spectacular, and so they would lean up in their chairs. So church, real quick, kind of get on the edge of your seat. Lean forward a little bit in anticipation for Galatians chapter 6. And so I'm going to invite John up here in a second. But John Edwards, uh, he's a co-worker of mine here. Uh, he works down the pre-K hallway. He's my son's favorite man, favorite guy uh, in the room. Uh, it's a quick story about John. My kid, just like probably many of your kids, was scared to death to walk down the hallway and into a room with unfamiliar faces. And John would get down on his knees on every Sunday. And Bradley, my little boy, would run, still does run, and jumps into his arms. And it's because of people like John, my son has an opportunity to grow in his faith on Sunday. So John's an incredible husband, incredible employee, incredible man of God. John, come on up here and let's read Galatians. Love you, dude. (laughs) Amazing. Nice. Well, hey, uh, good morning, church. It's good to see you guys here. Uh, Sorry if my voice is a little shaky. I'm like slightly nervous being in front of people who are not younger than me, so um, we're going to see how this goes, and I'm just praying that you'll not hear my words, but you'll hear the words of the Lord today. Yeah. Galatians 6 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. <laughs> See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. So yeah, so we're in this series, and you and I, we probably all in this room want to experience freedom. We want to experience freedom from the day in, day out. We want to experience freedom from maybe a world that's trapped us in. Many of us, we want to experience freedom from relationships or loneliness. or We want to experience freedom. So off the top, I want to ask you this question. When is the last time you experienced true freedom? Like not, not, not the freedom of you showing up in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and like there's no other cars there but you. And you're like, Freedom! Not you driving by a beach with windows down and smelling the sea, and you're like, oh, man, this is, this is free. But, but, but I'm talking about, like, transparent, authentic, like, real life, like, in it type freedom. When, when have you felt like you're all in? Like, maybe you're invincible, that, that, that you're just in there and you're free. There was no thought for maybe just a few seconds or a minute. There, there was no um, self-realization of all your flaws and all your failures. But in just that moment, you're going, freedom. If you were here several weeks ago, I, I talked about uh, early on, I, I was addicted to pornography from my young age to my early 20s. And there was this moment in my life where it was exposed and, and I was able to, to let it all out because no one knew. And in that moment, when I answer this question, when is the last time or what is the defining moment, it was in that moment where I'm like, you know what? Like, I am, I am willing to, to drop everything, to tell everything, not knowing what relationships you know, how, are going to respond, not, not knowing how, how people are going to look and point at me. But I'm just willing to, to confess and move forward. And that's one of the most freeing moments of my entire life. Church, when is the last time you felt that type of freedom? If you've been with the series, I think we've done a phenomenal job of walking us through all of Galatians. And I think we've done a phenomenal job of, of maybe teasing you with this idea of freedom. Uh, this man, there's this, there's this other life that could be lived. Not just, hey, we're from America, the home of the free. But, but there's this way of life that could, could look different for our lives than ever before. And I think we've walked through it. And Paul's like telling the, the Christians in Galatia, like, ah, there's this life for you. 
But then there's in chapter 6 where, where Paul kind of starts, all right, cool. Like, I've painted you the picture. I've given you the vision. I've given you the big idea. Now let's see if our, lines, our, our lives line up with the freedom that's given through Jesus. So before we get to chapter 6, I want to do a quick rewind through Galatians 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Galatians 1, this is going to be a note-taking sermon. you got sheets in your chairs. You have pens and pencil students. Come on, leading the way. You have your phones. Take notes. This is a take notes type of sermon. In Galatians 1, verse 6, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Main idea of chapter 1 is, have you deserted from the gospel? Now, this isn't just some uh, theoretical question I'm asking. This is a real question I'm asking you. Has there been a time in your life that you've walked away from the good news of Jesus? Maybe you're in the seat now, and you're like, you're given this thing a second, third, fourth, seventh chance, and you've walked away from the gospel. Have you deserted your life, your way of thinking, your relationships, how you spend your time? Have you deserted away from the gospel? And if that's you and you weren't here for week one, I, I suggest that you go back and maybe catch up. In, in week two, in verse 16 of chapter two, it says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Question. Are you trying to work your way to God's love? Are you here today so you can be closer to Jesus? Do you pray in the mornings or read your Bible or show up for church events? Are you good to people to earn God's love? Now, these are all behaviors that I want to encourage, but but it's not a behavior that I want you and I to think that if we do these behaviors, we gain God's love. God doesn't love you more by the more you do. God loves you equal to the person who is, you know, the most spiritual person and the person who is a new believer. God loves you the same. In chapter 3, verse 2, it says, let me ask you only this, Paul says. Did you receive the spirit by works or the law or by hearing with faith? Statement, you receive relationship with Jesus through faith alone. This is Paul's big battle to the early church. You can't work your way through it. There's no formula. There's no A, B, C equals D. Like all it is, it's faith alone. You believe, you follow, you have faith, and it's faith alone that gets you a relationship with Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of a son into the hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Question, do you view yourself as an heir or a slave? Do you view yourself? Real-time question. Right now, today, you woke up. Am I an heir to God's kingdom? Uh, are, are you worthy to get everything God wants to give you? God, the creator of everything, the God who is perfect, who loves you and wants you to be a son and daughter. Do you view yourself as an heir on his last will and testament? Are you included in it? Are you an heir or are you a slave? Are you just a, a nobody, a worthless, maybe someone that you feel God is dragging you along to maybe uh, work in the mission that God has given you? Or are you an heir? Or are you a slave? And if you're questioning these, these questions, if you're having thoughts and these are provoking something in you, go back and watch the sermon. In Galatians 5 last week, verse 13 and 14, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through, but, but through love serve one another, one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Question. In your life, what does freedom look like? In your life, mom, in your life, dad, in your life, student, in your life, and newly married, your life. 
and singleness in your life, what does freedom look like? What do you want it to look like? So these are questions that, that have just kind of uh, been asked along the way. And, and I, I do think that, that, that we have a great understanding that, that potentially we could live in this freedom. Now, interestingly, in chapter 6, verses 1, sorry, in chapters 1 through 5, Paul is like banging on the door and going, hey, it's not works. It's not, it's not an act of, of behavior that's going to get you to freedom. But then in chapter 6, Paul kind of comes back and he goes, hey, look, let, let me talk about some behaviors, some ways of living that, that, that can show that we're living in freedom. So I don't want us to get mixed up today of that, man, we do these things to receive freedom. But if you look at the end of chapter 6, Paul is looking at the cross, at Jesus, and he goes, hey, look, it's all about that, all about Jesus dying for us. And if we accept him, we have freedom. And our response, our behavior, our lifestyle should then look a certain way. So, so this is like a, a litmus test of a sermon today. This is as I'm walking through different areas, you're going, ooh, is that me or is this not me? And by the end of today, you and I will, will have a pretty good understanding if we, if you, if I, if all of us are living in the freedom that we've been talking about. And at the end of the sermon today, we're going to have a prayer team up here. And guys, it's going to be incredible. Last service was incredible. And I'm just prepping, priming some of your hearts because I know some of you, like my wife, need some time to think and process something that's going to happen in a few minutes. But, but some of us in this room, a lot of us in this room are going to experience freedom through prayer today. At the end of the sermon, last song, we're going to have prayer team. And so just to have that on your radar. Cool. Galatians 6, verse 1. Here we go. Paul says this. He goes, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and, and I'm, I'm just going to stop there. Paul, um, again, it seems like he's kind of coming out, out of the gate pretty, pretty difficult. Hey, brothers, if any one of you are caught in sin, hey, if you, ma'am, are caught in sin, hey, if you guys are caught in sin, uh, it's like, whoa, hold on. Are you, like, pointing at me? We do have to remind ourselves when Paul was writing these six chapters of Galatians, it wasn't like he would like write chapter one, take a couple weeks off, go to the lake and begin to prep chapter two and then kind of turn in chapter two. This was one long letter. And it wasn't until hundreds of years ago that we actually began to chapter out the, 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 the different chapters in the Bible just to make it easier for us to go to chapter six, verse one. And so this is a continuation of chapter 5, but he goes, brothers, if any one of you is caught in any transgression or caught in any sin. Now, theologians believe there's, there's two really meanings of this caught word. The one, uh, the first one is the, probably the easiest way I can explain it, or the one that just came to my mind, was imagine just a random bear in the woods walking, making, doing, his, doing his own thing, right? And then the bear, he, he walks into a trap and he gets caught. It's not of his own doing. He, he was doing his own thing. Again, um, uh, if you're uh, any parents in the room, parents in the room, um, uh, half the time, maybe a third of the time, I read my kids' Bible stories at night, and like two-thirds of the time, I make up stories for them. And so with Riley, uh, a lot of times, a bear is involved in the story. I don't know. So I'll start off the story with, uh, once upon a time in a land far, far ago, there was a, and she'd go, bear. And I'm like, great, cool. And the bear was in the woods, and the bear, and she's never said, got trapped in a trap and died. But uh, essentially what happens is here is the, the word caught means like you're sideswiped. You're blindsided. You're, you're, you're taking you know, your own business. You're actually doing good. Like you're actually making good choices. You're doing the right thing, but you're caught. You're trapped. And then this caught or this trap leads to a life of sin. We've all been there, right? You're, you're hanging out, you're, you're doing a, your thing, and then a tragedy hits the family. 
Your dad dies, or your mom dies, or a loved one dies, or tragedy happens, and then what happens? It wasn't your fault, but what do you turn to? Then you turn to pills, or you turn to alcohol, or you turn to secrecy, and you turn, turn, turn to these, these vices that begin to kind of rule your life. You didn't necessarily choose those. You were, you were caught. And then the other one that we're probably most familiar with is, is the idea of actually being caught. Like, like when you're in elementary or middle school or high school and you get caught cheating, right? You're like, ugh. Or you get caught stealing or, or you, get, you get caught. My, my, <laughs> my daughter, uh, Riley, she's seven. She comes to Camp Arrowhead uh, all summer long. It's a camp on our campus throughout the week. Shout out to camp counselors. And y'all, y'all, are, y'all are rock stars. Changing my kid's life, changing my family. It's, it's amazing. But the first couple weeks of camp, my, my daughter kept going, hey, Dad, I want some money so I can buy candy at the store, at the Camp Arrowhead store. And so I would give her a couple of dollars, but then I'm like, hey, hey, Riley, we don't get money every week. You know, you don't have to have money every week. And so for the last three or four weeks, like, Riley has not been asking for money. My wife and I at dinner were like, oh, my goodness, like, we are rock star parents because our kids are not asking us for money. They understand selflessness, right? They, they understand that they don't get everything they ask for. And we're just, like, high-fiving each other, like, we're doing my wife goes to a, 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 like a ladies' night a couple nights ago, and one of the mom's daughters goes to camp as well. And the, mom's, <laughs> the, the mom of the daughter asked my wife, hey, like, why, why does Riley keep asking my daughter for money? <laughs> and Ashley's like, what? And like, yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my, my daughter's been giving your daughter money. Um, and like, it's been happening, you know, for, for, for a little while. So, of course, Riley gets home. And I sit Riley down, and I go, hey, Riley, have you been having candy at Camp Arrowhead? And she was just like, yeah. I'm like, great. Um, how, how are you getting the money? Well, people are just giving me money. And I'm like, really? Like, do you have one of the cups? Are you playing the drums on, like, buckets? Like, what are you doing? You know, you, people are just giving you money? Like, Guys, I'm a pastor, but, like, I make a decent wage. Like, it's okay. I finally got down to it. Well, Riley's been asking people. Riley's been asking campers. Riley's been asking counselors. Riley's been asking other pastors. I'm like, don't, don't do that. And Ashley and I had to look at each other, and we're like, we're not. <laughs> but that moment of getting caught, do you remember it? Do you remember the last time that you were caught? That maybe you were caught in that kind of like shady business deal and you didn't think anybody was going to find out. You were caught in that secret relationship. You were caught. Somebody saw the text. You were caught. And what Paul is saying here, he goes, man, if anyone is caught in sin, if any one of you guys are caught, People marked by freedom, they confess, they don't conceal. People marked by freedom, write this down, they confess, they don't conceal. Now, now this, this confession doesn't just get you to freedom. This is a response of the freedom that we receive in Jesus. But, but Paul is saying if you really want freedom, you, you confess, you don't conceal. Adam and Eve in the garden, you remember the story? They sin, they run away, they don't confess, they conceal. God's response here in a second, we'll see. But I always wonder, what would have happened if Adam and Eve confessed? It's one of those things as a parent that you so wonder, 
how to teach your kids to live a life of confession. We've all said it, that if, if you just confess, if, if you just tell the truth, guess what? Well, your punishment will be less severe. But it's a concept that my seven-year-old, that, that me as almost a 38-year-old, it's still a struggle to live in because if we confess, like, well, what are they going to say? Oh, my goodness, you did that? Oh, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Con- confession c- can, can actually be heavy. But, but Paul tells us that we need to be marked by confession, not concealing. Some of you guys need to take a step today. There's cards in your seat. It says, I am living free from. This is your confession card. This is the confessional. And you can do one of those weird deals where you kind of hide it and, and look around and write really small and fold it, you know. But this could be a very first step, an initial step for you as, as you respond in freedom knowing that, that Jesus, he can handle any confession that you have. He can handle it. And side note, if you, if you want to take another step from confession, you can put your name, you can put your number, you can leave it on the stage after service, and I will commit to come alongside you, pray for you, call you. But confession, not concealing. In Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. He, he said, look, it's not just the, hey, you confess, but whoever you're confessing to, those who are spiritual, those who live out the fruit of the Spirit back in chapter 5, those who are spiritual, then, then you guys should receive it in gentleness. That hasn't happened in your life, has it? When you've confessed, you, you've been, it's been received with anger. It's been received with shame. It's been received with guilt. And so what Paul is saying, hey, if, if we really want to live in freedom, it, it's this two-way relationship of confession, yes, but spouse, when you're confessing to your spouse, it should be received in gentleness. Like this is Paul, not me. This isn't therapist. This is Bible. Do you, do you receive it in gentleness? Like, like do you receive confession with gentleness, people marked by freedom restore with gentleness. I think it's interesting, too, that Paul says brothers in the very beginning. Hey, brothers, it's, 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 it's a term of endearment. It, it's a term of, man, I really do care. This isn't like authority Paul going, hey, you, what's your sin? You, what's your sin? You better, you better, you better. But he's going, brothers. It's like his pet name to his church in Galatia. Spouses, married couples, you have pet names for each other? On the count of three, I want you to tell each other your pet name. Ready? One, two, three. Boo Bear. What? (laughs) If you don't have a pet name, well, get one. But it's a term of endearment. It's, man, I really love you. Like, c- c- baby, come here. Hey, hey, sweetie, come here. Like, if there's something that needs to be confessed, please, 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 please confess it. And I want to walk alongside you with it. And it's not a power trip. And Paul's asking us to look into his eyes and to believe, believe he's going to respond in gentleness. Verses 2 through 5, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, 
for each will have to bear his own load. Paul's saying, bear one another's burdens. This is a tough one. Because you look around Milton, our nice houses, you beautiful families. We have it all right. We have it all put together. Dads, you are Superman. Moms, you are Superwoman. And God forbid we, we kind of start leading out with transparency over, over, or, or vulnerability. Like people are going to be like, who is this guy? And, and I get sucked into it too. There was a, a friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in, in almost 10 months. He was one of my best friends in Texas when I lived there. He's been calling me over the past 10 months. And it was one of those weird relationships where you, like, you kind of are busy and you don't call him back. And then you're like, oh, now when I pick up, i got to explain where I've been. And so 10 months went by. This past Friday, he calls me and I pick up and we start talking and I go, hey, Nathan, like, this has been one of the hardest seasons two or three years of my entire life. It's, been, it's just been wild. It's been, it's been heavy. And he responded, I wouldn't know by Facebook. And in that moment, I'm like, but my wife posts that. <laughs> but if you look at our Facebook, our family's amazing. Our house is perfect. We have a new puppy named Denny Tide. Roll Tide. But these last two years have been brutal. And for me as a pastor and as you as a believer, like, like if we really want to experience and live out this freedom, guess what? we got to talk about our burdens. we, we got to speak about it. And these burdens are heavy. Jesus, his biggest burden was the cross. In John 19, 17, it says, And Jesus, he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is Aramaic and is called Golgotha. The stuff you're dealing with is heavy. The stuff you're dealing with is leading you towards death, towards loneliness, towards dysfunction. But you and I, we have to be willing and vulnerable to let people in. 18 months ago, uh, my grandmother moved in. It was a pretty chaotic scene of my dad being sick uh, in South Florida, my grandmother coming in, and we were just going to uh, hang out with her for a couple of days until my dad got better. My dad didn't get better, and so my grandmother came to live with us. And, and it's been a tremendous blessing along the way, but, but for the last 18 months, it's, it's been a really, really difficult season. Uh, caring for, for my, my kids, for my wife, for a 92, now 93-year-old grandmother, understanding ways of life. And, and at six months, my, my wife was her primary caregiver, and just like a typical husband dad, I'm like, everything's going fine, Right? And then six months in, my wife came to me. She's like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, I can't bear this alone. And so we began to make phone calls and began to reach out. And there's a woman named Peggy who, who goes to our church here. She's probably serving down the baby's hallway right now. And, and Peggy's a, a retired nurse. And Peggy goes, I, I'll start coming to your house. I'll start coming and, and helping out. And I'm like, Peggy, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand what, what you're getting into. Like, I can't pay you a lot. And I don't understand. And she goes, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And, and, and guess what Peggy began to do? She, she began to take care of my grandmother. She began to take care of my kids. She began to take care of our clothes by washing and drying clothes for us. A few months went by, and, and Peggy was away. And my grandmother had a fall that, that, that was pretty detrimental. And, and we had to make the decision, do we bring her back or, or do we lean into an assisted living? And guys, 12 months, 18 months ago from this stage, I said, like, hey, God's calling us to take care of the widow. He's not calling us to put him in homes all across America. I said that. And now there's this burden that's 
that I'm wearing and I'm going like, gosh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what to do, what to go, what decision to make. And, and Peggy goes, hey, I'll, I'll jump in and I will, I will still hang out with her. Guys, Peggy shows up at the assisted living 30 hours a week for no money to take care of my grandmother. I don't have to think about the care she is or isn't getting. Peggy takes her to doctor's appointments. <laughs> Peggy's become her best friend and our best friend. I mean, that's bearing one another's burdens. And if there's not freedom in that, I don't, I don't know where to find it. People marked by freedom bear one another's burdens. Two, are you being vulnerable, authentic, and transparent? You need to. And I'm willing to bet that if you choose to live that type of life, people will come alongside you and help with your burdens. Galatians verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows from the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. This idea of sowing and reaping, it's a farming language. It's, It's not a past tense or a future tense. It's a present tense of you and I sowing, laying seed down every day of our life. This isn't us just waking up in the morning and sowing seed. It's not just us waiting for fall or spring to sow our seed. It's this constant sowing of seed. And Paul's asking us, are you sowing seed of the flesh of your own desires for your own bank account, for your own retirement, for your own earthly family? Are you sowing those seeds first and primary? Or are you sowing seeds of the spirit, the things that are going to last eternal, the things that are going to come alongside the church and his mission and his bride? Like, what are you sowing? And this is a reality check for you and for I. How, how do you know where you're sowing or what you're sowing? Look at your bank account and look at your time. Look at your calendar, look at your bank account, and that'll show you where you're sowing your seeds. People marked by freedom sow to the spirit. And many of us, we, we kind of look at this and go like, oh, what is, what is he talking about? Sow to the spirit. Well, I'm going to be blunt. It's sowing your money to the church and to those things of God. It's sowing your time to the church and for you to, to serve and take care of and come alongside the mission that Jesus has instilled in you and in us and at Stone Creek. On your card, it says, I am leaving, living free from confession. I am living for. Hey, what are you going to live free for? Is it your money? Is it your time? Is it your interaction and your friendships? What are you going to live free for? And my encouragement to you is to, to really look at what you're sowing. Verse 9 and 10, it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. Isn't that hard? Because you guys are good people. Good people don't finish first. They finish last. Good guys, they don't finish first. They finish last. Girls want bad guys, right? The bad dudes at your work, they get the promotion, they get the deal, and you're doing good. Like, but Paul is saying, let us not grow weary of doing good. For, check this out, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Church, don't give up for doing good. Don't. In due season, you will reap it. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Everyone, do good to everyone. People marked by freedom, do good to everyone, especially believers. People marked by freedom do good to everyone. That, that's, that's your in-laws. <laughs> uh, that's your neighbors. It's the president of the HOA. Like, do good to everyone. Who, who's, who's one person that you need to text today? Who, who's one person that you've given up on? Who, who's one person that's treated you so bad and so cruel 
never again will I do good for you or even, you know, realize or, that you live. Paul is saying that, that we need to do good to everyone, especially believers. And this is where the church comes together. This is why it's a benefit to be a part of a church. This is why it's a benefit to be in a small group, to be in a community, to begin to serve and rub shoulders to other believers around you. Because then guess what? Peggy's will start entering into your life. And these people will begin to enter into your life. And Paul says, don't give up for doing good. People marked by freedom, they do good to everyone, especially believers. And guys, I... I pray for this church. I pray for you guys. I pray for me. But this, this week, it's just been heavy going, man, I really want us not to walk through the book of Galatians and go, freedom, Mel Gibson. But I really want us to experience it. Like, I really want us to, to walk away from it. I really want us to be having, have enough courage to enter into maybe the most freeing moment. And so just in a few minutes, there's going to be a prayer team that comes up. You guys come on up. And they're going to stand up here, and this isn't weird. This isn't awkward. This should be normal. And you guys and me, we're going to have an opportunity in this next song plays to get up out of our seats and walk towards some of these guys. They don't have any spiritual powers, but they're willing to pray for you. They're willing to listen to your confession. They're willing to carry your burden. And my prayer this week is that these, these aisles are filled up like they were last week with communion. That this is an all play, all in. We're all, we're all ready to rock, because I know some of your marriages are not okay. I, I prayed with one woman last service who said, Ryan, I, I feel the guilt and shame of letting my own mom die right in front of me. I've been carrying this burden, and I want to live in freedom. I had a young family who had a second trimester miscarriage, and they're like, I, I, I don't know how to deal with it, but I want to walk into freedom. I know there's broken relationships. I know there's addictions. I know there's anxiety and self-harm. I, I know, I know, I know. And my prayer and my hope and my plea to you is like, Will, will you use this moment and flood this stage and ask for prayer and bet, just bet everything you have on getting a glimpse and a taste of freedom. I promise you. I promise you. So church, this is our time to response. I'm not going to keep talking. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your peace, for your joy. Thank you so much for your love, for your pursuit. Thank you so much for your freedom.